0: Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au
1: In the end, it was the birds. When I woke... I had a moment of forgetting the sweet unknowing between my dreams and consciousness where I could be anyone, but reality, my own self lurked just beyond awareness, like something sinister scratching at the edges, demanding to be admitted until the revelation. Yes, there you are, Joy, the same person as yesterday. And today the birds punctured the oblivion with such optimism. I knew I'd had enough. They sounded so welcoming of another day, and I begrudged them this. What's worse, even after 30 years here, I couldn't tell you the names of the birds I hear. Daddy would be disappointed. Daddy with his love for nature, detailed in the battered green notebook that held all the secrets of the universe. They know enough who know how to learn joy, he used to say. Well, I'm sorry, Daddy. Somewhere along the way, I've grown incurious. I'm every dead thing. I know well, though, the call of the cooing wood pigeon, that soundtrack of hazy Irish summer mornings as a girl. There was a melancholic edge to its song and a stillness to the mornings then. Soft day, thank God. The New Zealand light is brash. It intensifies beauty, but it also highlights darkness. It struck me then, in a removed kind of a way, that I would never again hear the wood pigeon or see a crow. There's a creature I never thought I'd miss, not until about a year after I'd moved here and noticed its absence. I could live in this place for another 30 years and still be making comparisons. It's the diaspora's lot, a foot in each place forever, of two homes and yet none. I worry I've caused that dichotomy in the children too, uprooting them so young. Motherhood is all second-guessing and guilt.
0: Anne Tiernan was born in Zambia and grew up in Ireland. She studied English literature and psychology at Trinity College. The Last Days of Joy is her first novel. Anne Tiernan, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Greg.
0: The Last Days of Joy opens with a very powerful scene that certainly grabbed my attention. Joy is reflecting on the dichotomy in her life, a foot in each place forever, she says. What is that dichotomy that occupies what we... Come to realise might be her final thoughts.
1: Joy left. It's fair to say she fled from Ireland um, following quite a number of uh not totally happy uh life events. Um so she is now in New Zealand. And yeah, the dichotomy that she's reflecting on, I I suppose is is the dichotomy of of an immigrant, is that feeling of. Maybe never quite belonging in either place, not quite belonging to the place that you come from, and sometimes not belonging to the place where you've arrived it's It's almost like um you know you spend the first part of your life somewhere and the second part of your life somewhere, and there's this deep chasm between the two, and sometimes uh, you can feel as though you exist in 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 that split in between. um I saw somebody describe. Um being an immigrant is it's a bit like a swallow's tail, you know that that kind of two sides and a middle bit bit missing um it's something that I myself know all about <laughs> um so yeah that that's what she's referring to there in the opening.
0: Joy is a complicated troubled mother who spent her life running from the past while trying to raise her three children as best as she can. She also has an appetite for vodka. She says, the worst part of me is motherhood. How big, how dark is the shadow that Joy casts over her children's lives?
1: Well, yeah, so it's a book all about intergenerational trauma. Um, so we see, I mean, we see in Joy herself that she's a very damaged person. And we see, you know, this is, as is re- slowly revealed through the story, through her own relationship with her mother who was narcissistic and her father's death. There's a lot of unresolved trauma and joy. Um, And she, yeah, she, I think trauma is not so much often what happens to you, but it is how, what happens inside you to these life events. And joy has never, she's never processed these properly. She's never resolved them properly. And so she's passed this on to her children. They, as you say, kind of lived in the shadow of her. Um, They felt unloved, unloved neglected ashamed yeah and it's manifested itself quite differently in all of them um but yeah at its root is uh, you know that that feeling that their mother didn't love them enough
0: let's talk about the children connor francis and Sinead. all of them are living an illusion to some extent behind a facade what is behind the facade of this apparent control prosperity and success
1: well, I think it's unresolved trauma, really, for all of them, and shame. I mean, they all, you know, Frances, she is so tightly wound um, and her life is on the cusp of perfect and she's a bit of a control freak. Um, But this all comes down to the fact that she felt that her life was so disordered as a child. You know, she never knew what to expect. She'd come home from school and she would look for clues. Um, she felt as though her childhood was, was looking for clues. So if the curtains were open and the milk was in, then it was going to be a good day. But she was she felt great shame about the state of her mother and the state of her house. So now she, she tries her best to keep a, a really tight control on everything. She's a bit of a tiger mom at times. Um, Sinead, she, she felt unloved. And now she believes herself to be unlovable. She tries to escape all the time, whether that's through drugs or drink or sex or self-harm or writing or even you know she she fled back to ireland to try and escape that but i think at her core she just she just felt as though her mother didn't love her and then connor yeah the high achieving uh celebrity ceo uh he's he's somebody who's very concerned with appearances
0: a celebrity charity boss media darling New Zealand's most eligible bachelor 2018 i wondered if connor really is a philanthropist or just a hustler
1: like i said i think he's more concerned with the look of things rather than actual real charity i mean he's a caring person you know when i first started to write connor i i was going to write him as being a lot more unsympathetic the more i wrote him the more vulnerable i think i found him to be uh, and he does have a very caring side. He does love his his sisters and his mother. And we do see that he has taken real care of them. And um, but I think his whole philanthropy, it comes from a place of caring more about the luck of things rather than anything else. And, and I think he comes to understand that about himself, too.
0: Is it the case that uh, your characters chart their own course, irrespective of the plan that you might have for them as a writer?
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm a very, uh, I would say, firstly, I don't like doing much research or much planning. I'm kind of, uh, you know, the whole book started off just as a single image for me, and uh, I procrastinated starting it because I thought, oh. Surely, you know, as a writer, you would need a whole novel plotted out and a fully realized cast of characters with backstories. And um, but it just started off as a single image. And, and the, the kids, in fact, just started off as being kind of tropes in a way. Like I just thought, oh, yeah, the high achieving eldest, the conscientious middle child, the, the, the wayward youngest. Um, but yeah, they did. They do write themselves. I have no real plan when I sit down each day. I just see where they take me, to be honest. And, um, and I think doing any sort of major research or any sort of backstory uh, kind of not terrifies me, but I think I'm quite lazy. So <laughs> I just, you know, you see all this writing advice from people and they talk about, oh, yeah, if you've got a character, write their backstory, all the foods that they like, that'll help you form the character. But for me, it's more through what they do each day. And I'll sit down every day and kind of, I think, in terms of scenes rather than overall plot. So I'll sit down and think, oh, what's going to happen in this scene today? And But, yeah, I would say, Greg, that they kind of they pretty much write themselves, which is not to say that makes it sound very easy. And I don't mean it like that, but they they do seem to do their own thing.
0: I'm sure it's not easy, but let's get back to the story. Each of Joy's children are living with the consequences of their past just as their mother is, really. Uh, And when they receive the news that joy has only days to live, they rush to her side, but it also seems to drag them back into the reality of their shared past. So what's the effect of this coming together on each of them personally?
1: Yeah, well, I think I wanted to recreate that whole feeling of, you know, when you're back with your family, suddenly you revert to the person you were as a child. And No matter how far we think we've come, there is this sense that you go back to your you know, your childhood home and suddenly you're the, the teenager and you're the person with the, all the traits that everybody thought you had as a kid, no matter what you've done with your life. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to recreate that. Actually, in some of the scenes, I was thinking a lot about um, series like Succession, say, for example, where the, the kids get together and they're all they're quite horrible to each other at times. <laughs> and that kind of spiky sort of dark humor. It's almost like when they're with each other and around their mother, it doesn't matter what they've done with their lives or who they've become. They they revert to these really damaged and at times, I would say, quite unlikable people.
0: As they peel back the layers of their lives, and we as they really become aware of the internal conflicts uh, that each of them are dealing with, and it really tests the family dynamic. But one thing that came to my mind was what and how much they should each feel about the death of their mother.
1: It's very ambivalent and complicated. It's certainly not straightforward grief because Joy was a very complicated person. So they all have different feelings about it. In fact, you know, Sinead starts off feeling nothing. You, you know, she feels quite numb and it's almost a feeling of relief, um, which is a very hard uh, thing to Look, my own mother took her own life. So I know that these feelings of, uh, these complicated reactions um, are something that maybe people may not understand. But I think if you've lived with somebody who is that damaged and complicated and you almost feel like you've been holding your breath your whole life. And I think that's the way the kids feel. And they always knew, as they say, that it wasn't going to end well for their mother. So they do feel relief. Um, it is complicated, but I think as the story goes along, they feel more, they they learn to process it. They come to love her more, they come to understand her more and um, have a lot more empathy for her. So it's it's I think it's quite a healing process that they go through. It starts off at one place and then ends in another.
0: It's interesting, uh, something that Francis says, uh, I'm beginning to learn that you can miss someone and still be glad they're not in your life. Now, there's a dilemma.
1: Yeah, well, that's that sort of, that ambivalence. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very complicated thing. It's not straightforward. And um, they all feel it and they all struggle with it. They go on quite the journey to get from, you know, a place of kind of numbness and anger, actually, um, to more acceptance and peace.
0: Much of what we know about Joy is filtered through the thoughts and observations of her children, Connor, Francis and Sinead, but we're also given powerful insights into Joy's traumatic life through her flashbacks and dream sequences as she exists in her altered state of consciousness.
1: When I initially started to write, I didn't think that I would uh, have Joy's narrative included. I thought that we were just going to see Joy through her children. And which is not always flattering um, and just through their memories uh, of her. And and then I read a book called Inside Coma um, and it was written by two uh, American doctors who work with coma patients. And they were talking about how they believed, you know, from interviewing coma patients who have woken up, uh, and, and spending a lot of time with coma patients, that they're not actually deeply unconscious, but rather they're in an altered state of reality. So I thought that would be quite interesting um, just to have joy experiencing kind of these pivotal flashbacks. And it is very different from the children's narrative, um, but I, I, I just I, I thought it'd be interesting to do it like that. And I actually, I really enjoyed writing that way because it's a lot looser and i don't i'm not constrained by reality really um and joy's flashbacks are infiltrated by very subtly by her surroundings as well and i thought i thought that would be quite interesting but it's um it's a bit of a gift for a writer actually to be able to to do write almost almost kind of stream of consciousness it's fun and then it's um even though she goes to some very dark places It it was quite fun to write like that, as opposed to the much more, I guess, factual reality of the children's narratives.
0: Is this book a tragedy or is there some light at the end of the Tobin family tunnel?
1: There is lightness in it. Like I tried to put comedy in there as well, like definitely a dark vein of humour. Uh, For me, I think tragedy and comedy uh, can exist quite nicely beside each other. I find this with with my family and my siblings, that we can certainly look at kind of traumatic life events or things that have happened with a certain mordant sort of humour. And I I hope that I've injected that into the book. Um, Is it a tragedy? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't describe it as a tragedy. I hope nobody thinks it's a tragedy. There are some tragic things, like everyone's life, there's tragic things. Um, But is it overall a tragedy? I hope not.
0: Anne Tin, thanks so much for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely.
0: I've been talking to Anne Tin about her new book, The Last Days of Joy. It's published by Moa Press, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au